0: Does love Jesus in this house? Oh, now that was good for your third cousin you have seen at a family reunion that you don't even halfway like. I'm talking about your way maker, your provider. I said, does anybody love Jesus in this house this morning? Has he healed you? Has he made a way for you? Has he provided for you? Has he been good to you? Has He always been there for you? Oh, come on, we, we're gonna praise maybe just a little bit longer. I, we're gonna celebrate this morning. This is a morning of celebration. It's a, it's a day of faith where we are declaring great works of the Lord to be done in this house. I'm telling you, somebody this morning, your miracle is alive. God's gonna do something miraculous for you today. I feel a stirring in this house, Calvary. This is a wonderful place. How many of you love Calvary? How many of you have been, your life has been changed because of what God has done in this house through your pastor? It's an honor to stand here and preach today. He's probably watching somewhere, wherever he is. We hope that he's resting. He's an incredible man. As good as he is a preacher, he's an even better man. And you know, working here, there were a lot of times, I've been here for 13 years now, that I didn't necessarily agree with him. But it's not really honor if you always agree with it, is it? You know, he was hard on me sometimes. See, he's not here. I might get in trouble later, but he... But I think he always saw moments like this. And I believe he was pushing me as a young man to become something more. And so today I get to stand in a pulpit of reverence, a pulpit of holiness, a pulpit of power. And what's happening today is we know because of the Lord, but he put a gift on the shepherd of this house. And we are thankful today. Can you give it up for Pastor Jim and Don Rayleigh? Come on, this is a house of faith. I believe that we serve a God that can change anything at any time. I said anything at any time. I'm going to let you sit down in a minute. Not yet. We're not done celebrating yet. I'm going to need me just a moment before I preach to celebrate myself. I told first service this story and I'll share it again with you. I remember coming to Calvary some 13 years ago. Maybe longer. Is it maybe longer? 13? I don't know. Once you pass 30, you forget time. Anybody? Amen? It's in the Bible. Once you pass 30, you can start counting backwards. It's okay. But it's been some 13 years and I'm here to tell you that When I look back at the 21-year-old that was here, I began to think back over it last night as your pastor sent me a message and I got choked up first service, so I've already done this once, but it's starting to mess with me again. Pastor texted me and he said, he said, preach like only a son can preach. He has no idea what that stirred on the inside of me when I began to read that and the faith that started welling up inside of me. So as a son of the house, I declare to you this morning, this is a house of faith and this is a day for miracles. Calvary, you're in a season of supernatural. Hey, you're in a season where anything is possible at any time. This is a new fresh oil season. I remember coming here 13 something years ago, and I rewind before then. 15, 16 years ago, as a young preacher, I, I wanna tell you that faith works this morning. I told you that this Sunday is about faith. We started a new series this past Wednesday called Faith Under Pressure. Pressure pulls out something on the inside of you. And i remember being a young man and i had never preached a sermon before and i didn't even know if i could preach no idea and some days i still don't know that we're all human but i remember as 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 a 17 year old and an 18 year old and i had this hunger to preach and nobody was giving me a microphone but i started mopping the floors of this this country church and i didn't have a microphone but i had a mop in my hand and I started believing that, God, someday you'll turn this mop into a microphone. And, and someday I'll be able to declare the good news of the gospel all over this world. And, God, I don't know how, but I'm trusting you. And I remember as I would vacuum it, and, and, then, and then I would get, to, I, I, the pastor gave me a key. He, he messed up, he gave me a key. I remember holding that key. Never despise, the Bible says don't despise the days of small beginnings. I also tell you, don't you forget the days of small beginnings. I remember holding that key, a little square key. and I remember thinking, oh, it's on now. And on Friday nights, I would drive up to that church. And I would put my 14 and a half button suit on. Y'all know. I used to go get them at this place called K&G. You could get 72 suits for $2. 72 suits for $2. And I had 14 buttons in six pieces. It was a snap together. It was the whole deal all the way down, big bell bottoms. You could, I didn't even need to wear shoes. You couldn't see my shoes. But I put the whole suit on and I got my Bible and I got my sweat rag. And I walked into the church every Friday night about midnight. And I had me some organ music that I had burned onto a CD. Yeah, something like that. And I would be in the church all by myself. And I'd start shouting about nothing. And I'd start saying God is good. And I would start preaching a sermon that probably make half of you leave the room. But I was believing in faith that one day that somebody would sit in the chairs and I was believing in faith that one day blind eyes would open and strongholds would be broken. I was believing and I I, I was preaching. And four hours would go by. Four! Y'all okay with me preaching four hours today? Your pastor's not and he'll probably never have me back. So I'll stick with three. <laughs> but I remember then at the end, I would put some Bishop Paul S. Morton on Let It Rain for my altar call. Let it rain. Oh, yes, Jesus. And I'd start having altar calls. And I would say, bow your head and close your eyes. Wasn't nobody in the room? Come down to this altar today. God's about, I'd start climbing over chairs. I would snatch people that belonged at the altar that weren't, that did not come. And I said, you know, you ought to be down here. Come on down. I started casting out devils because, you know, the church at night is a creepy place. So I, I, every time I turned around, I thought I heard something. And I'd call them down and I'd pray. And I, in the midst of all of this i've wired a, a cable connector to a projector and most of the staff here knows this story but i don't know if, it, if i've ever told this to the church before and i would watch preachers on tv and i would try to mimic them i'm not gonna lie i try to sound like bishop jakes and i try to sound like rod parsley and then one day i came across this crazy white man out of ormond beach florida I think some of you know him. And I was watching him. And I said, man, how does he do that? He's sweating and shouting. and I ran and grabbed my girlfriend at the time. Because I had to know she could clean the church. So I, that was a test. Come on. And I come and I said, baby. I said, you see this crazy white man she said yeah I see him. i said i don't know who he is and i don't know where he's from did i not tell you this and i said baby but we're going to plant a church like that right there one day i said and it's going to be the same atmosphere and the same presence and the same everything and six months later that man on tv called this young little boy up and said son will you be my young adult pastor and then nine years go by and we've planted a church calvary in orlando sea life me and her i'm telling you if you speak it and believe it it can come to pass it's a sunday of faith i've come like paul to stir up the faith in this house come on dream again believe again believe again cry out to god for something more he's able I said he's able if a 17 year old can have the faith to preach to nobody and now I'm preaching in the pulpit that I used to admire on TV won't he do it but I remember even as a kid true faith is only activated in the midst of heavy pressure has your faith ever been under pressure I want you to leave here today with some extreme faith that kind of faith I'm talking about mountain moving water walking devil destroying kind of faith I'm talking about some faith that shakes up devils in hell I'm talking about faith that scares the enemy off I'm talking about the kind of faith that messes with people around you and they look at you and say how did you do it and you said I believed my way to it because at the end of the day the truth is this isn't about a preacher it's not about a song it's not about how much a guy can come and stir you up and and, and though faith is it's fun to stir and it's incredibly enterprising for all of us faith is far more than a stirring it's far more than a stirring at the end of the day, all of this is about is about us pleasing our Father. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. The Bible says it. And faith is something that was given to you to push heaven off of his threshold into your atmosphere on this earth. And this morning, we're gonna see faith activated in an incredible way. First Peter. Chapter 1 and verse 6 is going to be our kind of our nestling text, but we're going to focus on Abraham this morning. In this, the Bible says, you rejoice greatly, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. So that the genuineness of your, of your, of your faith which is more precious than gold which is perishable even though tested and purified by fire may be found to result a consequence of it in your praise and glory and honor at the revelation of jesus christ this morning i want to preach to you a message entitled forged in the fire your faith It's forged in the fire because great faith is activated by the weight of great pressure let's pray today Lord thank you for this time I love you you're really an awesome God and I know that that you don't need man but I need you today and uh, there's so many people in this church that are that want to believe that want to dream for something great that that are believing that today that you'll make a way where there seems to be no way that Lord Today we need transformation. Lord, don't just, we don't need just another preacher to tickle our ears. We need transformation today. So, Father, not by might, nor by strength, but by your spirit come in this room today and do what only you can do. Change lives, set us free, and help us live the life, the John 10:10 10, 10 life, the abundant life you've called us to in Jesus name. Somebody say amen. Before you are seated, I want you to punch two people and tell them he's able. He's able. Yes, he is. I don't want to water down the truth of your faith journey this morning simply. To get a rise out of you or to make you feel good. I know we like to shout and there's nothing wrong with shouting, but faith is far more than a shout. Faith is far more than a stirring. Faith is a lifestyle church that can sometimes get messy. And I don't want to lead you astray and tell you that faith is just this easy journey that you go on. Faith can be messy. Have you ever had to endure some messy faith? I'm talking about you saw joy in the morning, but you had to go through sorrow in the midst of the night. I'm talking about some messy faith. where You look good now, but if somebody knew your story, if if they knew what you've been through, if they they understood the trials you went through, they wouldn't think it was so pretty. A messy faith. Some of us had to fight to get where we are today some of us had to get underneath some great pressure to be where we are today faith is messy because it requires you to make unthinkable decisions it requires you to do things that defy natural protocol there is a protocol in the natural and there is a protocol in the supernatural and faith goes against everything that's in the natural and it can cost you your friends Relationships, family, prior commitments, because faith always starves what is governed by the flesh. That means every commitment that you have that was driven by the flesh, faith will starve it every friendship you have, every covenant that you are engaged with, the moment you decide to live in faith, it will starve everything that began or is governed by the flesh. And so many times the reason we don't like to live in faith is because we don't want faith to govern who we're connected to because we like our familiarities and we like our comfort. But faith says there are some things that can't stay with you. It's the pressure that faith applies to us. And the truth this morning, Calvary, is this. True faith is proven in the furnace of affliction. And it's validated in the heat of the valleys. Perhaps nobody can speak to us on this narrative better than than the father of faith himself, Abraham. Father Abraham, many sons had, and I was, and so were. So let's right arm, right foot, left foot, both feet, turn around, (laughs) drop it like it's hot. I don't remember. (laughs) Do the stanky leg, Father Abraham. I don't know, but I believe that Abraham, (laughs) Lord help us, stay. I believe that Abraham could speak to this narrative. He was a man that endured the valleys of faith. Now, Abraham had some disappointments along the way, but he always came back to having a heart of faith. And I believe that Abraham, if he could testify today as one of the great cloud of witnesses that stand before us in heaven, cheering us on, I believe that Abraham would come down here and tell Calvary Christian Center this morning that indeed your faith is forged in the fire of the valley. The word forged it means to sharpen, it means to refine. God's refining some things on the inside of you while you're in the valley. God's preparing you for the next place while you're in the valley. Because the truth is, faith is not formed on the mountaintop. Faith is formed in the valley. Watch this, pull this diagram up for me. You see, on the top of a mountain, you have low pressure. So the air is what? It's cooler. The reason the air is hotter in the valley is because there is higher pressure when you live by faith you have to sometimes go through the valley and sometimes you have to feel high-pressure situations before you th- walk through the promise David said that I was in the valley of the shadow of death but I fear no evil for thou art with me he didn't say I was on the mountaintop he says something's happening to my faith while I'm in the midst of the valley and David looks around and a table is prepared before him in the presence of his enemy he said God you prepared for me right in the midst of the valley and it wasn't till he got in the valley I told Wednesday night that his cup started to overflow because his faith was sharpened in the valley and then the overflow came because of where he was he was under pressure and pressure pulled something out of him Abraham was a man that understood what it meant to go through the valleys and I believe that these valleys they can make or break you they can break you if you stay in them but they can make you if you believe through them so the first valley that you have to go through is the valley of decision Now let me backtrack for just a moment as I begin to unpack this whole Abraham story because we're going to try to uh, uh, really give you this narrative in a condensed version. From spoken promise to inherited possession, Abraham faced a lot of shortcomings, a lot of lapses in judgment. But nevertheless, Abraham came back to his heart to a place of faith because that's where it comes from, right? Right. It's not about your past. It's not about what you've been through. For for with the heart one believes under righteousness. So faith comes from the heart, and so it's a matter of your heart. And Abraham had a lot of shortcomings. He made some judgment calls that were just dumb. Touch your neighbor and say, don't be dumb. But as I was studying this, I, I heard the Lord say to me that the mercy of God always endures, and the word of God is always executed. The mercy of God always endures, and the Word of God is always executed. And I used to think that a mistake or a prideful or a bad thought, I used to think that if, if, if I wore the wrong thing, it disqualified me from God's promise. Did, you ever, did anybody else grow up religious like that? If you went to the movies, if you wore roller skates? Come on, you can't go to heaven in roller skates because you'll roll right past the pearly gates? <laughs> yeah, I know some old songs. But I used to think that if I had a lapse in judgment or if I, if I had a mess up, I, I, I used to have this, this inclination to be shy about God's promise and back away from God's promise and say, I, I, I've disqualified myself until one day I realized something that was life-changing. I realized I was already disqualified from my promise the moment I took my first breath on this earth. I was never qualified. You were never qualified for what God gave you. That's why he gave you faith. Faith is your qualification tool. Faith is what qualifies you for what God has called you to do. And I used to think that my mess up disqualified me until I realized I was already disqualified. Already. So Genesis 15, here Abraham is through all of his shortcomings. And he stands before God at 75 some odd years old. And God starts to remind him of the promise that he gave him. Genesis 15, the Bible says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Verse 5, Then he brought him... Outside Now, this wasn't in my notes, but first service, I got on this. The Bible said that God was ready to show Abraham a promise, but he had to bring Abraham outside the confines of his own limitations. He said, Abraham, I need you to come outside of the tent. I need you to come outside of the limitation and the system that you've built around yourself that would limit you from believing me for something great. And you can't see the promise until you come outside, until you get outside your own insecurity and outside your own depression and outside your own fear and outside your own system." and outside your own methodology and outside your own theology. I need you to come out, Abraham, so you can see what I've got for you. And I'm talking to somebody this morning that you've gotten too comfortable in this faith walk and you've not believed God for something great in a long time and you've been hearing sermon after sermon after sermon and I want to challenge you this morning. Come out and see God's got something great for you that your eyes never seen and your ears have never heard. He's got something So Abraham comes out and and he tells Abraham, and I love this part because he says, Abraham, he said, okay, um, I want you to look up and I want you to count the stars. Count them. As if God was saying, Abraham, if you can get your mind on it, you can have it. If you can get your mouth on it, you can have it. If you can just begin to declare how many there are and whatever you can see is what you can have. I just need to get you to see it, Abraham. Because the moment you get your eyes on it, I can move. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. And I need you to get your faith eyes on what's out here. Don't count in the natural, but just look. So Abraham comes out and starts counting. One, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. Say, see, I don't know I'm bilingual. That's why we planted in Orlando. I speak three languages, Spanish, English, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Next time you go get a job, you fill out an application, you need to put bilingual on there. They ask you, what's your other language? They're going to think, man, he's smart. You say, I speak the Holy Ghost, and you can too. And so, Where's that? (laughs) And so he says, see all them stars? Abraham 75. He's like, yes. I've already seen all the promise. God, what are you doing? I've already been through all of this. What what are you doing, God? He says, if you can have them, if you can see them, you can have them. And the Bible says this, so shall your descendants be. He promised him the nations. Verse 6, and he... Did what? He believed in the Lord, and it counted to him righteousness. Now, let me begin with some clarification. Romans 12th chapter, third verse. The Bible says that God has dealt to you. You need this to move forward in this sermon. God has dealt to you the measure of faith, okay? That's why you can't pray for more faith. You can't say, God, give me more faith. No, what God does is activate what he's already given you because there's no way that God would let you be born into a world where the prince of the air is Satan without the measure you need to defeat the sin and iniquity that you were born in and shaped in. There is no way you can tell me that God didn't give me enough on the inside of me to whoop the devil's backside from the moment I took my first breath on this earth. You can't convince me that I don't have what I need and the measure of faith means that you've got everything you need for every assignment that your life requires that means there is nothing that your life requires that you don't have the measure for there is no mountain that's too big there is no grave that's too deep there's no sickness that's too deep in your body there is nothing that is too great because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world you got the measure on the inside of you i've got what i need i'm not gonna be depressed and worried and doubt and stressed and filled with anxiety i was in the back room back here right before i come out in this little green room oh it's so nice we got a green room in the middle school too um but it don't look like that i can't pull my car in my green room dear god that's nice but i was back there and i said lord this is this is a, a great opportunity in such a big pulpit, and I said, Lord, I said, listen, I said, I, I, I want to go out there, and I want to give this everything, and, I, and, and I, want, I want pastor to be proud, and I want, I want everybody to, to feel like they've got something out of the word, and, and, and the Lord stopped me, and he said, don't forget, son, it's my message, not yours. And I've given you what you need to deliver it. It was, oh, it was at that moment I realized I was walking my own sermon, that all the faith I needed to preach this word, it was already in me. Now, it's already there. It's already in you. Abraham has the faith, but it was the valley that activated the faith. So in between the stars. And Abraham's statement of I believe is the first valley, and that is the valley of decision. The valley, I need a marker. Now listen, I'm going to be a little professor Dr. Jeremy today. The only thing with Dr. Jeremy is under the anointing I can't spell very well. So bear with me. I did good first service. So the first one here. This is the um, Valley of Decision, D-E-C-I-S-I-O-M, is that right? Boom, devil, take that. Mess with me with my (laughs) spelling. Now, this this is for everybody in this room, preachers, pastors, ministers, leaders, uh, uh, teachers, uh, husbands, wives, single people, everybody. When God gives a promise, you don't see it in text because it happens mentally. There is a valley that is between here and your ability to process it and say, Yes, God, I'll do it. And what happens in this valley is here are some things that happens. The first thing, the most obvious, you start to doubt. It can't be God. Lord, say it again. It's like when it's time to give an offering and you hear the Lord say 100 and you say, I feel like God said 20. <laughs> no, you better give 100 or there's going to be 200 when he speaks again. So, <laughs> and so it's, God, can I really do this? Do you really want me to have a child? Do you really want this in my life? Am I really good enough to do this? I know what doubt's like because in the midst of doubt nestles this nasty, evil spirit called insecurity. And I've fought and battled with it Most of my life, even in preaching, and you wouldn't know it standing here today, but you have no idea the things that every man and woman battle. You don't know what somebody else goes through, and you don't know what somebody else fights. And I'm telling you, I get this battle right here. I know what it was when the Lord led me to Ormond Beach, Florida. I remember looking at the man on TV and walking in here with my my size 46 pleated salmon britches on with a cuff in it. Size so 46, I was, don't mess. He's able. And I remember walking in and doubting who I was in God. Because I said, Lord, this is too big. I remember planting the church when Missy and I went out and I said, Lord, there's no way. I began to doubt. Doubt happens in this valley, but you've got to believe through it. The next thing that happens after doubt is concern. And they are different. One, you doubt if it's God. Two, you're concerned if you got what it takes to get through it. You start to question your gifting. You start to question your ability. So you're concerned with God, what's going to happen here? And then all of a sudden, for those of us that are really, really educated. I got any smart folk in the house? Look, three of y'all raised your hands. This is not a sermon on pride. This is a sermon on faith. I said anybody smart in the house? lord have mercy you afraid to raise your hand (laughs) this is what happens to us to the educated people as we begin to hear god is we do this can you pull in on this mr cameraman we start to rationalize everything then when god speaks before we say yes god before, hold on, Lord. Hold on. Come back here. Um, before I say yes, I need to know how. I need to know when. I need to know the day. I need to know the time. I need to know what the weather's going to be like. I need to know the barometric pressure. I need to know what kind of jeans you want. You can wear skinny jeans? You can wear baggy jeans? What's going to be in style? I need to know what my hair's going to be like. Should I wear a weave? Should I wear a wig? Should I comb it over to the side? God, what color do you want my hair to? What, how do you want this is what this is what we do. We rationalize with God. God, how you how's it gonna be? How's it gonna play out? I know every single detail, every single little thing of every single piece of every single detail. You don't know anybody like that, do you? Bunch of control freaks. And Abraham finally had to say, I know I've got a lot of variables, and I know there's a promise that I don't understand. But Abraham made one decision before he made this response and this was his decision it's the only decision you can make when God gives you a dream or gives you a promise to get to your response and this is the decision y'all bear with me can you read that Abraham said, I can't wrap my mind around this but I trust the God who created the dream enough to let him work out the details and the only way you get from God's promise to your response of faith is to make a decision internally in your heart that says God I'm going to let you handle this God I'm going to let you handle the process it's your promise so the process is yours it's your business how it gets done it's your business how I get there it's not up to me to put my natural finite hands on what was supernaturally given from heaven so God I'm letting go and I'm going going to let you take over. Abraham said, I can't do it on my own. I can't make this decision. I can't move forward. This promise came from God, so I'm going to let God handle it. You will never make the decision to follow God until you first make up in your mind. You're going to let him handle the process. Because if you don't make that up, you will back out on God. God have your process. The Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. But what you do where that foot lands... That's up to you. You manage the place that the foot goes, but God orders the steps. That means that I manage the season, but God moves to the new season, and God moves to the next level, and it's up to God the process. I just manage where God puts me, and God, you've put me in a valley. I'm going to believe my way out, and God, you've put me on a mountaintop. I'm going to praise you for where I came from, and God, you've put me in a place of lack. I'm going to declare Jehovah Jireh my provider until I get out of God, I've been sick. I'm declaring your Rafa. I'm declaring your healer. And I'm coming out of this thing. I'm managing where I am. But Lord, the process is yours. I remember as we planted a church, um, first off, it was the hardest thing we'd ever done. And it still is. And I'm preaching like this this morning. Hey, Jesus. I feel the anointing. I felt like Josh when he was up here. Man, I feel like I might just get this all for myself this morning. I I, I may have needed to be a guest this morning just for me. I feel God. I'm going to trust the process more. But I remember it was the second year after we planted, and not a lot of you guys know this. Some of the staff here knows this, but I remember that there was a moment that I wanted to quit so bad. And there's something powerful about wanting to quit, but that's a whole nother message for a whole nother day. And I remember as I, I had a big old jacked up. I told you I was a country boy from Cashville, Tennessee. And this, this, I would, I sat on the tailgate of this truck. It was a second year. And you know, the first year's adrenaline. Second year, you have metrics that you can look back at. And, and here we are. And My son, my baby son was born, and he was diagnosed with this thing where his plates were fused together in his head, and his brain would never be able to develop. And I remember my heart sinking, saying, God, hold up now. Hold up, God. I said, God, listen, I said, you knew I wanted to go back home to plant a church and you knew I wanted to go to Nashville and you knew that, but you told me Orlando and I listened to you, God, and why did you let this happen to my son? I was always taught that that blessing followed obedience and that that he'd give it to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I've always heard I'd be blessed in the city and blessed in the field and the head and not the tail and above and not beneath. And I've declared these things in God. I followed you and now I'm in a valley, God. Why? little did I know the whole time that God was giving me weapons in the valley that I couldn't get on the mountaintop. God was making me a better man. God was making me a better preacher, a better husband, a better leader. There was something in the pressure of the back va- that pulled something on the inside of me out. Ah, Jesus. He said he was diagnosed, and we, every month we'd go to the neurosurgeon and, and, and check it out. And How, how old was he? About nine months, a miracle took place. The plates started to shift on their own. They started to break apart. And we celebrated and we rejoiced. And then two weeks later, there was a family in our church who, a single mother we had taken really close to us, and kind of under our wing, that went to a graduation party, and their dog attacked my eldest son. And when I say attack, I'm talking about complete reconstructive plastic surgery on the side of his face, 60-something stitches across his face, flesh hanging from his body, his jawline was exposed. It was an awful two weeks later now. I found myself sitting on the tailgate of my truck like a country music song. It was raining. Except my dog didn't die and my wife is still with me. And I didn't have a bottle of whiskey. But I did have some questions for the Lord. And I sat there and I said god why have you left me all the why have you done this to me why god i'm trying to believe you i'm trying to tell you that i believe this church is going to make it i'm trying to tell you that i believe i heard from you i'm trying to tell you that i believe that we're going to find a facility and we're going to grow and we're going to move forward but lord i'm really struggling right now to tell you i believe you because hell is breaking loose in my life did i disobey you god and i heard like an old radio turn on i heard it audibly I heard it audibly. I told my wife, I said, pack your bags. We're going back home. She said, but baby, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's your favorite Sunday year. I said, I don't give a rip. I'm human. Forgive me. I said, I don't want to preach. She said, what? I said, I don't want to preach. I said, I'm going home. I said, I've had enough. I said, it's not worth my family. Oh, yeah, I was mean me and God. We, we wrestled a little bit. And I heard an old radio. You know, the <laughs> <and> this old... <laughs> sound like some kind of animal. But I heard this old radio, and it was my voice preaching to my congregation two weeks prior. And it was me. I said this. I could hear it out loud. And I said, I stood up in front of the church and I said, God forbid, anything ever happen to my family, my wife, and my kids, and in Jesus' name it won't. I said, but if it does know that I would still be back here proclaiming the gospel because I was a man of faith before I was a husband and I, I was a man of faith before I was a daddy and because of that my faith and at that moment I realized this is just a valley this is just a place that God's prepared me for the future I've come to let somebody know that this is your moment of preparation your valley is not your demise it's not the end of you. It's just the beginning of a better you. A valley of decision between God's promise and your response of faith. It was by faith that Hebrews 11 and verse 8 said that Abraham went to a land that he didn't know where he was supposed to go. And he went went without knowing where he was going. I don't know where I'm going. But Lord, I've made a decision to let God handle it. I've made a decision this morning to let you handle the process. Lord, I'll do what I can do. But you got to do what you can do. That's how faith works. Faith doesn't work without works it's dead so you do what you can do and let God handle the rest that's what Abraham does Abraham's 75 years old and God reminds him of this promise I'm sure Abraham as a man it must at 75 for God to promise him he's gonna have more kids if he if he's like any man in here he was like well praise God from whom all blessings flow this is gonna be good I mean, I can, I, can see, I can see Abraham now. He's, he's all excited about it. I, I probably see Abraham first kind of fighting with God, saying, God, hold on. You see all these stars? How am I going to pay child support on all this? <laughs> I mean, seriously, Lord, you know Sarah. She likes to shop too. Missy, I mean Sarah, I mean Missy, I mean Sarah, I mean Missy, I mean Sarah she likes to shop too much she always be at them new tanger outlets nike store and nana republic and all these buying all this stuff you know we can't afford no kids god but then i see abraham finally walk in the bedroom with sarah and shut the door and start singing little boys to men to her (laughs) go relax let's go slow I'm 100 years old. <laughs> and Sarah's was like, woo, I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. And I mean, it's, it's lit. And we say, oh, my God, Pastor, what are you doing? With somebody who, somebody who. If this is my last time to preach here, it's been well. It's been good. It's been really good. You say, oh, it's funny. It is funny, but it's not funny because here's the real truth. What did Abraham do? You say all that joking around. I'm telling you this. Abraham kept having fellowship with his wife because Abraham did what he could do, and he trusted God to handle the rest. trusted God to handle the rest. So don't stop doing what you can do and don't start doing what only god can do so the bible says that he believed and it was counted to him righteousness righteousness means right standing with god so now abraham is in the right position all he needed now was the right time and that's where he hits his second valley of faith the valley of patience rut road Ladies, anybody married to a man with no patience? You better not raise your hand. uh uh-uh. The valley of patience. My, my, my. Do I have anybody that can testify on themselves that they struggle with patience? Mm. So after the valley of decision, your faith must endure the fire in the valley of patience, which rests between God's promise and the fulfillment of God's promise. See, before it was just a statement of faith now the real the real valleys here because now you're waiting it's been five years it's been 10 years it's been 15 years your faith is getting forged in the fire and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself but the reason you're having to wait is so you can keep what God's about to give because if you didn't have to wait for it and you didn't understand the process and you don't know what God's doing God's revealing himself because he's got to take you from glory to glory but every level of glory requires a new level of revelation and you have to understand that level of glory before you can move forward so God is positioning you to keep what he's about to give so here's this valley of patience that we all go through and the Bible says the Lord visited Sarah verse 2 and gave her a son as the Lord had spoken and in verse 2 the Bible says for Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son his old age read it at a set time of which God had spoken to him and Abraham called his name who was born to him who was Sarah bore Isaac sometimes we stay in this valley longer than we should because we try to force a manifestation in the natural what is a set time moment in heaven while we're waiting we try to force a move of God in the natural but you have to understand if God gave you the promise then God is going to give you the position, the process, everything you need to get through it, and you don't need to make it happen yourself because you will only taint what God's doing. And there's some of you that have been stuck in this valley a long time because you put your hands on what God is doing so much that you are killing your future as Uzzah when he reached up to touch what God was doing and, and he wasn't supposed to touch it because it wasn't in faith and it wasn't how God had declared it. And the journey was dead. Don't put your hands on what God's trying to do. And you know what Uzzah's name means? I told you on Wednesday night this. You know what Uzzah's name means? In the Hebrew, it means the strength of man. Anytime the strength of man tries to touch the presence of God, something dies. Don't use your own strength. And so so here Abraham is in this, this valley of patience. And I want to tell you this morning that your dream, your destiny, and your promise, it has a set time to it. Don't rush the process. Be patient with the promise. Don't rush it. Be patient with it, it's going to come to pass. Now this valley is after your strength to continue. Have you ever lost strength waiting on God? Let's be honest. Have you ever just you felt like giving up waiting on God? here Abraham is and God is saying how long do I have to wait? It's been 10, 15, 20 years and some of you in this room you know that feeling you know what it feels like to say listen I've sown in sacred season and I had a preacher give me a word and I listened to pastor and, and man it was so awesome and I've been believing God for something great and I've watched everybody else's family get blessed and I've watched everybody else get the tithes blessed and I've watched everybody else's dreams come to pass and I've seen everybody else that, that, they, that they're living in their dream world and their miracles, and look at the car they have and the house they have, and you're trying to be happy for them, but all the while you're happy for them, you're saying, God, what about me? I oh, may that's too real for some of y'all in this room, but you know, you do the fake Christian. Oh, I'm so happy for you, God. Why you know? You know what they was doing, you know, they don't deserve that. The Lord said, I'm taking you through the valley of patience. You've seen others get blessed. So here's the valley, and this is what happens in this valley if you're not careful. The first thing you start to wonder, did God forget me? Lord, did you forget about me? God, did you forget about the promise that you gave me? Did you forget about what you're supposed to do? And then after you go through this in this valley, because you're waiting and your, your faith is being forged, after you get over here, you say, God, you forgot me. And then you're saying this, you begin to second guess. If this promise is even for you, you start to second guess it. Then what happens? I'm not going to write all these up here. You start using natural methods. If you want the rest of that you can come back on wednesday night i'll give you a recap printout sheet for it you start to use natural methods natural methods don't work so what happens you fail what happens when you fail you give up and you quit and this valley is after your strength to continue in the faith church let me tell you don't mistake god's timing with god being forgetful because god is not forgetful but what you have to do in this is you have to watch The only way you get from God's promise to fulfillment of your promise is this. Trust in God's timing. There is a set time for your promise. There is a set time. Jeremiah 1.12, the Bible says, I'm watching over my word and I'm waiting to perform it. What's God waiting on? God is waiting on your set time. God is waiting on your set time to hit your promise. That's what God's waiting on. And at the right time, guess what? The Lord is going to perform that for you. Don't you let the valley of patience tire you out. Don't you let it rob you from the favor that's found in the wait. The favor that's found in the wait. I said there's favor in the wait. There's favor in the wait. There's favor in the wait. There's something being added to your life while you're waiting. There's favor in the wait. Don't despise so much the valley that you get nothing out of the valley. Sometimes we so bad want to get out of something that we get nothing out of it. But don't don't rob yourself of the favor that's found in waiting on God. Isaiah 40, 31 says it like this. Those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their what? Their strength. What is the valley of patience after? It's after your strength to continue, your strength to move forward, your strength to keep believing, and anything the enemy can do to keep you disconnected from heaven, anything he can do to, listen, he will come after your faith before he comes after your praise. Because your praise, your faith moves God. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. This scripture is connected to the valley of patience. It's about waiting on God. In the word wait here in the Hebrew, you know what it means? It means bonded to. It means covenant. It means to be in covenant with. It's where we get our word marriage from. Oh my. Misty, come here real quick. Real quick. I'm going to hustle through this. this is your veil I remember when we got married I'm getting ready to close for real I'm getting ready to close put your wedding veil back on I remember we got married in this building over here and my wife when she walked down the altar I I remember how beautiful she looked and her fake tan was perfect (laughs) pristine and the two top dresses she looked wonderful and and I remember she came down the aisle, and she stood at the aisle, and, 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 and you're more beautiful today than you were then, but we was in this building over here, and even though Pastor called you Carissa, I know you're Missy. And, and I remember, though, that Pastor said, you know, do you take this woman to be thy wedded wife, to live together in holy matrimony, In sickness and health, forsaking all others, as long as you both shall live. If you do, say so. By saying what? I do. And at that moment I looked at you and I said, Missy, no matter what we go through, no matter how hard it is, I'm going to keep this ring on. No matter how tough things get, I'm going to stay married to you because I'm in a covenant now and I'm bonded to you. And there's nothing, no place you go that, you, that I'm not coming with you and there's no place I'm going that you're not coming with me because I'm in covenant. I'm bonded to this. And come hella high water, one thing is for certain, we're going to be together in the midst of it and we're going to come through together. I'm not quitting on you. You're not quitting on me i'm not giving up on you you're not giving up on me why because we are committed to each other and what the lord is saying when he said those that wait he said i'm looking for those that will get married to the promise those that will get in covenant with the promise those that will say i'm not giving up on this i know i've been waiting i know it's been hard but i'm married to this thing and i'm not turning away from it is there anybody that can you, you can say this morning that you're married to your promise Come on, stand to your feet across this room. I'm going to let you go. When you wait on the Lord, you don't give up on your promise because you're married to it. I said you're married to it. I said you're married to it. I said you're married to it. That means when times get hard, don't you don't check out on me yet. I said when times get hard, you're married to it. When things are rough, you're married to it. When you're going through difficult seasons, you're married to the thing. I'll tell you this, we're going to have a marriage ceremony for your promise right now. You ready? You got your promise to thank you are believing God for? What do you be- is it a promotion? Is it a job? Is it a family member? Is it a lost loved one? Is, is it ministry? Is it, is it a son? Is it a building? What, what, what do you believe in God for? You ready? Do you take God's promise to be thy wedded partner in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, forsaking all other counterfeit promises for the rest of your life? If you agree, shout by saying, I do, I do, I do. I do. I do no tell him say lord i do no counterfeit promises i'm not settling for less but lord i'm married to this thing somebody shout yes i'm gonna let you go home on this i'm gonna finish the rest on wednesday i can't get through all this today you're not the only one that's been through the valley of patience. Jesus, God sees Adam and Eve eat the apple. Jesus falls in love with humanity. In the midst of their sin, falls in love with humanity. I'm saying that we have a Savior that can sympathize in our weakness because just as every man is tempted, so has he. And he looks down and he says, I love him, Lord. Let me go save him. And the Lord says, no, not yet. He said, but one day your heel will be bruised, but you will crush the head of the enemy. For 4,000 years from the fall of Adam and Eve to this scripture right here, Galatians 4.4. Daddy, I love him. Let me go. Daddy, I love him. Let me go. Not yet, son. Not yet. But when the what? But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Even Jesus had a set time. Trust in God's timing. Trust in God's ability. Trust in God's timing. Because I believe Isaiah twenty sixty twenty two 60, is right. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Come on, your faith is about to pay off in this place. Do you believe it? With every head bowing, I close across this room. I'm going to let you go here. Lord, send faith over this house. As people go through this week, give them faith, give them encouragement. Lift your hands toward heaven, touch their lives, change us, transform us. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus as your savior, but you sure want him as your savior. Because this is what it's all about. It's not about a preacher or a sermon. It's about this moment. If you want him to be your savior, after we close service today, I want to invite you to this altar to get some prayer. Maybe, maybe you've fallen off the track and you want to get back on. At this prayer after service today, we're going to have prayer warriors. They're going to pray for you. And I want to encourage you to come out Wednesday night. Can we fill this place up Wednesday night? Because I'm going to go through the valley of testing. Because true faith, true faith has to stand trial. True faith has to stand trial. Do you love Jesus? Did you get anything out of his word this morning? Amen. Has he been good to you? Amen. Well, listen, Calvary, I love you so much. I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. God bless you, Pastor Josh. Well, have you enjoyed the word today? Come on, let Pastor Jeremy Dunn know how much you appreciate. Put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Thank you so much for being here today. Pastor Jeremy alluded to Wednesday night service.